All right, go ahead and begin to find your seats. Bucket list item. I don't know. I got a lot. I got a lot. I don't know if they're going to happen in the next six months, but uh, we'll see. Uh, well, hey, welcome to uh, church, guys. Uh, good to see a lot of uh, faces, familiar faces. Good to see some new faces. Uh, if you have any questions, obviously, reach out. Um, we're, we'll be here after service. Feel free to ask any questions. Or if someone looks like a regular around you and you're new, just go and ask them. Ask one of them whatever questions. They're all experts. Uh, it'll be great. Uh, hey, this is the, uh, we, so we've been in this series. Actually, can we turn this mic down just a little bit? It feels really loud. Um, Okay, so we're, we're, we've been in a series called Hello, My Name is Jesus for the last, oh, I don't know, a year and a half. Uh, kind of, well, before even the pandemic started, actually. Uh, we've been in, maybe, so maybe actually it's been longer than a year and a half. Probably the majority of life of the church. And the reason why is because there's so many misconceptions around who Jesus is, who Jesus was, what the gospel is, what church is about. And there's so much tradition uh, and misconceptions uh, attached to Christianity, wanted to go back to go, if you were to meet Jesus for the first time, he said, hello, my name is Jesus. Let me tell you what I'm about. What would that look like? And so we've gone through the gospel of Luke to see what he was about. Who did he hang out with? What did he talk about? What did he not talk about? And what does that mean for us today? So this week is actually the second to the last week of the series. Next week, we're going to close it out, which is so interesting because next week is when we we end the this, this series and it's Jesus handing the keys off essentially to the first church. And saying, it's all yours. It's all yours. I trust you from here on out. And how awesome that we're going to celebrate our three-year birthday as a church on that message. And so, uh, man, it was awesome. So last week, uh, Eric, one of our elders, talked about uh, this. When, when, when they put Jesus into the tomb, essentially, we kind of ended it uh, there. you got to realize that for some of us that grew, grew up in church, we Sometimes we hear messages like that, we, we know how the story ends, but we want to go back to what was it like to be in the first century when this happened? What was it like to be a disciple, a follower of Christ? You've followed Jesus now for some of them weeks, months, some of them years. Some of them have given up their entire professions. Some of them have given up their, their, their reputations to follow Jesus because he's the one that's going to overthrow Rome. He's the one that's going to be the new leader. And then nothing. And then Jesus gets put in the tomb. We talked about before at Easter how when many times when, you know, founders create movements, they create movements around values, right? And then what happens, so say uh, civil rights or, I don't know, whatever, Apple with Steve Jobs, whatever, whatever movement or, or organization, then what happens is around values. And when that founder passes away or gets arrested or something like that, what happens? It actually gains momentum many times. The, the, the followers pick up the mantle and continue. The difference is Jesus didn't call people to values. He called people to follow him. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, not be nice, go to church, sing some songs, tithe. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to what? Follow me. Pick up your cross. Follow me. It was all Jesus-centric. So when the person you're following dies, the movement dies. So that's really important for us to understand. There's no one to keep the movement going. When Jesus goes in the tomb, no one was going to pick it up and keep going with it. They just now want to figure out how do we honor Jesus? How do we have the right burial? How do we close this chapter in our lives? Maybe we had some good moments the last few years. 
but how do we keep moving forward to whatever's next? There was no thought of continuing. There was no thought of resurrection. You had this guy named Joseph, not Jesus' dad, but Joseph of Arimathea, who was actually a member of the, of the council. So he was a member of the Sanhedrin. And so he goes to Pilate and says, I want the body. Do me a solid. Give me the body. This was a huge deal. Because for Rome, crucifixion was about stripping the individual of their dignity. It was about suffering. They wouldn't give the body to the family. That, pro- that, that body was actually Roman property at that point. So you didn't get the body back. So a lot of times they would leave the body up on the cross if they had enough crosses. And they'd be picked at by animals, right? To be just desecrated. Or they take the body down if they, they had a lot of executions that day. They dump them in a pile and let the animals take care of them there. This was a message. You don't mess with Rome. So the fact that Pilate gave Joseph the body was a huge deal. It was so bizarre. What a lot of theologians believe it was because, well, Pilate, you know, Pilate's the guy who washed his hands, remember that? Pilate was the guy who said, hey, I see nothing wrong with this guy. I washed my hands clean of this. I had nothing to do with this. So he thinks Jesus is innocent. So when Joseph comes forward from a person in power to a person of power, he just goes, yeah, take it. So Joseph takes Jesus' body with the rest of the followers and disciples. They prepare his body for burial. Again, no one was expecting resurrection. It was over. It wasn't time to hope anymore. Hope was dead. The time was now to grieve. The time was now to process. So, welcome to church. Really uplifting message, right? Can you imagine being one of these followers? You've just given years of your life. What are you thinking as you are putting the strips of linen on Jesus' body? What are you thinking as you're preparing, you're embalming, you're using oils and the spices to prepare the tomb? As you're maybe looking at Jesus' chest going, breathe. Come on, man. You know those parts when you, when you watch a TV show or movie and, you know, the person drowns or the hero, whatever, Jack Bauer, whatever, gets shot. And, you're, and you're, they zoom in on, his, on their person's face. And you know what's going to happen, right? You're like, his eyes are going to open. He's going to take a big breath. They're waiting for the moment. Come on, man. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. They got to be thinking, what is going on? Where is God in all of this? God, do you even see what's going on? Maybe I misheard Jesus when he said that he was going to lead us. When he said that he was going to stick closer than a brother, when, when he said that he was the Messiah, maybe we heard him wrong. Maybe, maybe all of this was hype. Maybe it's not real. Maybe this whole thing of following Jesus, all the things that we as followers believe, maybe it was all just manufactured. And it's not really supernatural. You ever feel like that? This is a day when we're just going to be honest. Preparing this message was challenging for me because I find myself in this message more often than I'd like to admit, especially in the last year and a half. You ever feel like the disciples fell? You had a dream? Didn't pan out like you thought it was going to. You find yourself grieving the loss of that. 
Maybe things didn't turn out the way you thought they would. Maybe that was a season in the past. Maybe that's where you're at now. In whatever situation, it could be relationships, it could be your career, it could be a business venture, it could be a relationship with God. Things did not pan out the way you thought it would. God, you promised. God, you told me. God, I had this dream. Why doesn't it look what I thought it was going to look like? Maybe if you're honest, it's been a while since he had hope. You come to church, you sing the songs, you see all the right things, but in your heart of hearts, it's been a while since you hoped. See, this is what the followers were feeling in this moment. Proverbs 13, verse 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream or a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When you keep pushing hope off and pushing hope off and pushing hope off, your heart gets sick after a while, right? You begin to wonder, who cares? What's the point of all this? I want to show you a, a video. I don't know if you guys have seen this before, uh, but the little backstory is, uh, hold on one second. <laughs> so a little backstory is this, this point decides the game. So this is a huge deal. All right, so yeah, go ahead and play it. So, so you see what that guy is feeling is, crap, I thought it was going in. And then nothing. That feeling, you guys ever been there? I mean, I can't tell you how many sporting events I've been a part of as a Chicago fan. I can't tell you how many times by the third inning, by the second quarter, by the whatever, the sport, we're going all, I, mean, I can't tell you how many times I grew up watching the Cubs that by like, it's not even all-star weekend yet. It's not even halfway through the season. We're already going, well, there's always next year. It's like we've already given up hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's why Chicago people, we eat a lot of pizza. And, and like, you know, it, Italian meat. <laughs> we got to drown the sadness of hope deferred, right? But so hope deferred makes the heart sick. Here's an important principle. When there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the moment. When there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the moment. Just this week, I was talking to a friend of mine. I want to be vague because you want to honor their journey. But they're going through a season like this right now where they're ready to throw in the towel on a huge dream of theirs. And I'm trying to encourage them. What you do right now matters. What you're doing right now matters. Keep going. Don't quit in the dip. Keep moving. Keep pushing forward. Keep believing. I know you don't want to. I know you don't think there's, there's anything to hope for, but there is hope. Because when there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the moment. Let me give you an example. Uh, about a month or two ago, uh, some friends, a friend reached out and said, hey, do you want free tickets to the uh, Cubs game uh, this weekend? It's like, well, of course. Actually, he said, you want tickets to the Dodgers game? It's like, no, no, it's not a Dodgers game. It's a Cubs game. They just had me playing at Dodger Stadium. So what's cool is, so Natalie and I went to this game that they paid for parking and everything. So we went to this game, and uh, fifth inning in, I leaned over to Natalie, and I was like, I don't think the Dodgers have gotten a hit. Have they gotten a hit? They've, they haven't gotten a hit this whole time. We're f a no-hitter 
into five innings, which is a huge deal. It's a really big deal if you're a Cubs fan. It's like, they haven't gotten it. Sixth inning, no hits. Seventh inning, no hits. I think as Cubs, we got like three hits, more than zero, right? Dodgers haven't gotten any hits through like seven innings. Dodgers fans are beginning to leave. They're already starting to go home. By the ninth inning, half the stands were empty. No Cubs fans were leaving, right? But we're, we're used to this. But why? Why did they leave? They paid good money for tickets. That was back when they were, they were a limited seating at Dodger Stadium, so tickets were hundreds of dollars. Parking is expensive. You just fought traffic. You got out of work early to go to this game, and you're going to leave 30 minutes early? Why? Why would you leave? At least get another Dodger dog. Sit there. Why would you leave? Because when there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the moment. If there's no hope of winning, if you, have a no, if you haven't gotten one hit through nine innings, you're probably not going to win. So if there's no hope in the future, this moment doesn't matter. When your hope tank is empty, what ends up happening is you feel apathetic. You feel tired. You feel depressed. And you begin feeling this sense of, who cares? Who cares? What's the whole point? This is what the disciples and the followers are feeling in this moment. See, we know the end of the storm. We look back at it and we go, oh, no, no, Jesus resurrects. They didn't know any of this. They just thought their life was over. Everything was over. They're going to go back to their old boss and ask for their old job back. That's what's happening right now. In the middle of that, we enter the tension. So uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 1, it says this, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. That's weird. You got to understand that the, the stone was covering the tomb with a Roman seal and centurions were guarding it because there were some rumors that people might try to steal Jesus's body. So Rome's like, we're not having that. That's our property. So they guard the tomb. But when the women get there in the morning, the, tomb is ro- the stone is rolled away. That's strange. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, again, they weren't going, no body, stone rolled away, resurrection. No one's thinking resurrection. They're going, who stole this body? So they're sitting there puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Next verse. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man, all caps, being Messiah, must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. We talked about this at Easter. But if you were writing a story in the first century that you wanted people to believe, which is what Luke's gospel is. It's, it's a treatise of trust Jesus. It's reliable. This is a reliable, this is not mythology. This is a real story. You can go talk to the people I interviewed. And if you're writing this story and you wanted people to believe it, you wouldn't put women as the first witnesses. Why? Because women were not reliable witnesses in the first century. I know some of you women are like ticked off. I didn't make up the rules. I wasn't there. 
They, women were not even allowed to testify in court. Right? So, why did Luke say that women were the first people at the tomb? It would have worked out way better for him if, they, if he hadn't. He wrote that because women were the first ones at the tomb. And he's writing the story as it happened. The Bible doesn't depict these individuals in the Bible as a whole, including these moments, as like these mythological, perfect characters. The Bible depicts people as they are. What we see throughout Scripture is individuals following God, not without fear, not without failure, not without doubt, but in spite of all those things, through those things. And what we're about to see is the disciples completely wavered in their faith. See, if you haven't doubted your faith, I don't know if you've actually really believed. If you follow God for any amount of time, you're going to doubt. You're going to have fear. You're going to have failure. You're going to go through seasons where you're going, God, what is going on? You're going to have seasons of hopelessness. I don't know it's anti-faith. Some of you guys that are like, talking, that's unspiritual. No, it's not. See, David was honest with God. He would, in one moment, say, God, I worship you. The next moment, he'd say, everyone's out to get me. I'm going to die. God, just kill me. And you know what God called David? A man after his own heart. Because he didn't live behind platitudes. He didn't live behind, you know, just fake, good to see you in the house of the Lord today, church face. He was honest. So, if you haven't doubted in your faith, I don't know if you've actually ever believed yet. You will doubt at times. You will go through times where you have to wrestle with the tension of grace and truth. When, yes, there's grace and there's love and there's come as you are. You are loved and you belong before you believe in all that stuff. But then there's also truth. There's also objective truth. That if that sign is purple, it's not green. And it's unloving for me to say that sign is green. Right? So how do we wrestle with the tension between grace and truth? We go one way or the other, we, this whole thing is out, gets out of balance. It's both. That's part of this thing. And, and you're going to find yourself, maybe your doubts and your stuff come from that man, managing that tension, seeing people swing to the far extremes of that and going, that's not what I believe. Maybe you've gotten it wrong. There are times where all of us will go through seasons where we get it wrong. We get it wrong. We find ourselves in seasons where we fall off the bandwagon of prioritizing our faith, or maybe we, we go through seasons where, to be quite honest, we were cocky, we're prideful. We're selfish. We're just a, kind of just a jerk. And then you look at back at that season and you go, God, I'm so sorry. God, how did you love me in those seasons? But yet he did. There's times where we repent and we go back to the heart of God. And that is all part of this. Verse 8. So the next thing it says, it says, then they remembered, the, the ladies, then they remembered that he had said this, that he prophesied that he was the Messiah. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples. Remember why there's not 12? Judas had a little whoops. So tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, also known as James the Younger or James the Lesser. This is not James, brother of Jesus. So that's not Mary, Jesus' mom. It's a different Mary. So And several other women who told the apostles what had happened. This is important. You're like, why would... Why would Luke give all this information of who was there? Because Luke is a physician. 
Luke is a historian. So he's saying all these names. This is like your, his bibliography. This, these are his citations. So that later people can go, no, no, no. Oh, it's that Joanna. It's Mary, that mom. I'm going to go back and see if that's what really happened. So, and several other women who, the, who told the apostles what had happened. But <laughs> here's what's crazy. Keep that up there. So the, the women go back and tell the disciples, the disciples, the, the leaders of the, what will be the leaders of the church, that the, the tomb is empty. And of course, the apostles were like, yes, that's awesome. Let's do this. No, no, what was their response? But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. Why? Why didn't the men believe it? Because the testimony of women wasn't credible. So they're thinking, oh my gosh, you guys are crazy. There they go off again, talking nonsense. They didn't believe it. These are the leaders of the future church. However, Peter jumped up and ran in his flip-flops to the tomb to go look. Peter books it. He, he, has, a, he has a flicker of hope. Then it says, yeah, okay, so it says, oh, we didn't have the last verse on, that's my bad. So it, it, that passage ends with stooping, Peter peered into and saw the empty linen wrappings in the tomb. Then he went home and it says, wondering what had happened. Wondering what had happened. So Peter runs to the tomb, looks, sees it empty, sees the linen wrappings, and then walks back, processing all of this, back to the rest of the disciples and followers, and he's wondering what happened. He's not going, oh, there's a resurrection. He's going, what is going on? Did someone steal the body? What's going on? Then you get a sense of meanwhile, so put a pause in that. Then it jumps over to the next verse, continues a different story. It says, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking uh, to the village of Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're on this long walk. Seven miles for any of us is a decent walk, right? Uh, unless you're like Tony Leovanos and it's your warm-up for your long run. So uh, seven miles from Jerusalem, so all afternoon walk. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had, that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came. So he kind of just merged onto their path and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. Next verse. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. So all this information they're about to tell Jesus, they know. But there's still sadness across their faces. That's really important to notice. Then one of them, Cleopas said, or replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Where you been? What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. Where are you from, bro? So next verse. That's not in the Bible. I put that in there. Uh, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God. And all You haven't heard of this guy? Seriously? But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. They crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. 
This all happened like three days ago. Next verse. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, namely Peter, and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. What's so wild is this, they knew all of this. They heard the news, but they were still sad all over their countenance. Why? They had deferred hope so long that their hearts couldn't hope anymore. They were just at that point, think about it. If you think I'm, I'm reach, overreaching into the text, where were, if they really believed this was true, would they be walking towards Jerusalem or away from it? They're leaving Jerusalem. They're getting out of Dodge. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do next. They're walking seven miles away from Jerusalem. Because even though they know this news, their heart refuses to believe it could be true. Because they've been burned now. See, when you defer hope long enough, you stop dreaming. Not only do you stop dreaming, you shoot down dreams before they can hurt you again. So people say, you know, hey, this is happening. This could be really cool. It's probably not going to pan out. It's not going to work. I've been there. In other phases of life, if someone's like, hey, do you have a chance to talk this afternoon? Be like, yes, it's probably something exciting. When you're in this position, someone goes, hey, you have a chance to talk this afternoon? It's probably the worst news ever. Right? You refuse to believe and hope, you begin to have faith in the negative. You begin to root against yourself. You expect the worst. So Jesus has to have a teaching moment with these guys. Next verse goes on to say, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people. Real encouraging moment right now. You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures all the things concerning himself. You can keep that up there. What's important to understand about that is these are Jewish boys. Well, I mean, they were Jewish boys before they became Jewish men. And Jewish children, by the time they were 13, memorized what we would call the Old Testament. So the prophets... The books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, what we call the Old Testament was their Bible, memorized. And what Jesus was saying is, you forgot what you used to know. Let's go back to the basics. We're going to go back to Sunday school. And we're going to go over this again. Some of us, we've spent so much time in this room that we forgot the simple lessons that we teach the kids in there. God is for you. God is with you. God has a purpose for your life. God wants to partner with you to do miracles. God wants to make a difference in your life. God wants to make a difference through your life. We tell the children that. We say amen. We give them stickers. And then we get older, and we're like, no, that's not for me. That's kitty. doesn't pan out. Real life is different. Adulting is hard. Same stuff is true. Same stuff is true. And they had forgotten this. Jesus calls them foolish. So he walks them through 
seven miles. They got a long walk. It says, by the time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey, by this time, the whole time Jesus is teaching them, all afternoon. You thought our service was long. Hours, hours, okay? Next verse. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting so late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. What's, what's a big deal here, what we, we may miss in Western cultures, in, in, in the Middle Eastern culture, when you sit down and break bread, that was relationship. I remember the first time I went to Morocco, also the only time I went to Morocco. Uh, I'm used to like get food and get out of there, right? We got places to be. Even if I have no place to be, we got places to be, right? This meal, it was like, a, like 45 minutes before they took our drink orders. You guys ever been in a place like this? It was like an hour before they took our meal. We were there for hours. Because the point of it wasn't to get food. The point of it was to build relationships. That's what this is. So they had a time of building relationship. That's key. So he took the bread, blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. Work's done. Information was necessary. Jesus had to walk them through some stuff. So the difference is they knew it here. They had forgotten it here. We could teach some basic things and you would leave church going, church was so dumb that I already knew all of that because you knew it here. You didn't know it here. You've forgotten it here. So information is necessary, but when did it shift for them? When did they go from hopeless to hopeful? When they re-engaged with Jesus. I know that sounds so like neat. They went from hopeless to hopeful when they re-engaged with Jesus. I don't think it was by accident that it, that it happened when they were fed by Jesus. Can I be just, can we just have a pastoral moment here? Some of us are spending hours daily being fed by things on our screen that are unhealthy. I'm not saying everything on your screens are unhealthy, but so many of us are spending hours every day on our screens being fed by things that are unhealthy. Hanging out with individuals that are doing unhealthy things. And then we wonder why we're spiritually unhealthy. Some of us haven't made church or faith a priority and then wonder why we're spiritually empty. While we find ourselves walking away spiritually from Jerusalem. So we have a couple options. You're probably wondering why these Blue's Clues uh, balloons are here. If you like, some of you guys like, I think there's half the room that's like, what? Why are those there this whole time? And there's other people that are like, balloons? There's been balloons over there this whole time? Okay. So anyways, um, let me, <laughs> Nat, can you help me? <laughs> this one untaped. Yeah, from there. See, so <laughs> part of why we did Blue's Clues is because, you know, Steve, that video this week. Uh, have you guys seen that video? I don't know why that just... That hit me different this week. You know, it's like, I'm a little too old uh, for Steve, but uh, yeah, okay. So some of us, here we go. See how strong you are. Okay. Some of us, 
There you go. Give Nally a round of applause. We're, you, you, you untape with the best of them. All right. Um, some of us, we're, our lives are like this, right? On the outside, we're, we're smiling, but we're doing all this activity to keep looking like we're good, right? Tiring. We can't stop. We go to church, smile, even through our masks, you squint a little so they know you're smiling, Right? And then what happens? You get in the car and, oh, you can turn off now. It's exhausting trying to act like I'm hopeful. Or maybe you, you're fighting in the car on the way to church, right? And then, oh, church, oh, love you, Lord, yeah. And then back down, right? Your friends come over, oh, man, we're doing good. You know, my house always looks like this. Yeah, don't look in the closet. Yeah, don't look in my bedroom. So happy all the time. And then, Oh. And then what happens is you, you look on social media, you look at your friends, and it seems like their balloons are effortlessly floating all the time. Their marriage is always good. They're always like, the Lord told them a new prophecy today. You watch them worship, and you're like, what are you smoking? How You, you are like with God right now, and I'm just like, I don't feel anything. Right? At some point, if your life energy is your activity only at some point maybe when you're in high school and maybe in this season with a pandemic and christians are doing all sorts of crazy stuff around the world and you just go it's not worth it i'm done i'm done let the chips fall where they may i'm not going to live that fake life in the pursuit of authenticity i'm not going to live a plastic life anymore i'm going to be real with where I'm at. But it really comes down to, you lost hope. There's no power in the moment. It doesn't matter. I'm tired of keeping this balloon up to make other people happy that I don't even care about. Then there's a second balloon. Can you undo this one? <laughs> the second blue. See, Hercules. The difference with this balloon is it just floats. Why? Effortlessly. Anybody can have this after service if someone just take it home. Our gift to you. What's the difference between this balloon and this balloon? The difference is what they're filled with. See, this one is us. It's Aiden, youth intern that <laughs> blew this thing up, right? This is full of Aiden. Aiden's soul is in this balloon, right? We can either fill our lives with us, our activity, our actions, or we can fill our lives with something that's beyond us, something that we can't manufacture, See, we're designed to be in communion with God. We just are. You can fake it for a bit. You can keep the life going. But when the live stream turns off, when you leave the meeting, when the guests leave the house, when you drive away from church, you know where your soul really is, don't you? You know how real your walk with God is. You know. 
Maybe no one else knows. And especially for those of you guys that have been in church for a long time, you know how to fake it. You know how to say the right things. You know how to do the right things. You know how to make your facial expressions. You know how to respond to people. You know how to turn it on. Just like the Pharisees did. They knew exactly what to do and exactly what to say. Some of you guys is really bothering you right now. It's like that string. It's really driving me nuts. It's okay. Pray about it. So some of us need to stop trying to manufacture this thing. Some of us need to go back to where we started and say, Holy Spirit, fill me again. Jesus, be real to me again. I don't want to just go to church. I don't want to do Christian karaoke, sing some songs, listen to a talk. God, I want to have something real again. See, the resurrection story, what it tells us is that this story doesn't end with the grave. What the resurrection story tells us is that we don't believe in some fairy tale. This isn't about Zeus riding down on a lightning bolt. This is factual. We put our hope in a man who claimed to be God, who died. Secular texts record this. He died. He resurrected. He appeared to hundreds of people over the next week. And then he said, that if you follow him, the spirit of God is in you. The spirit of God. The Bible actually says that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. You aren't alone. You aren't alone. Even if you feel like you're alone, you're not alone. You're created on purpose. You're created for a purpose. And whether we go through mountain height moments or we go through desert valley moments. God is with you, guiding and protecting and providing. Sometimes the coach lifts the weight for you and sometimes the coach goes, you got this. By the way, he's with you. He keeps us filled with his hope if you sit with him. So Jesus disappears. And then it says next verse. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked on the road and explained the scriptures to us? That felt alive again, didn't it? It felt different. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They were the ones telling Jesus, it's late, man. Why don't you hang out with us here? Then the minute after their life gets changed, they're like, we got to get back to Jerusalem. That means they're going to get back to Jerusalem maybe by dawn. That's how important it was for them. When they got back to Jerusalem, there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them. And those other disciples said to them, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. See, the resurrection says the game isn't over. These guys thought it was over. That the, the, their, their life, their dream, the following Jesus was dead in the tomb. It was over. Peter was getting his fishing stuff ready to go back into fishing business. The resurrection changed everything because they followed Jesus before and they can follow him still. And what we believe, we believe a really kind of a strange thing if you think about it. We don't believe that we follow a book. Although I have a high value of scripture, we follow a man who is God. Not who was, but who is. That's what we believe. So I don't know if you watched the end of the video. Let's play that video again from the beginning. Soccer, some of you guys have seen this before. So some of us end here. The goalie thinks it's over. 
That's not where it ends. This is our story. You thought it's over. You may be sitting, you may have come to church this morning and you think it's over. Your faith, your marriage, the relationship with your kids, the business, the dream, the whatever, the th- you thought it was over. Can I tell you? Hope again. Hope again. It's not over. It's not done. You may feel like it's done. That's just your heart being sick. To protect itself. It's not over. Keep believing what can be possible. Question is, are you following him today? Are you following? The the disciples did. Are you following him today? We've talked about this all the time. It's not about going to church. Are you following Jesus? So we're going to end by singing this song called Nothing Else. Some of the key lines, it says, I'm coming back to where we started. Coming back to where we started. I'm coming back to what really matters. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Can I challenge you? Don't just sing this song because it's what we're doing right now in service. Can I encourage you? Let me, let me go into youth pastor mode. Here's what we say in the youth ministry. Block everyone else out. Close your eyes if you need to. You're not more, I don't close my eyes during worship because I'm more spiritual. I close my eyes because I'm ADHD. And I'll be like, Jesus, wait, what's that? So I close my eyes so I can focus on God. So can I challenge you? Block everyone out. Engage with God. Sing this song between you and him. And for some of us, it may be the first time ever. For some of us, we're like the disciples. We go to church. Heart's been sick for a while. Hope's been dead for a while. The only thing that's going to resurrect that is the Spirit of God in your life. Sing this song. It's not a matter of volume. It's a posture of the heart. Sing this song like you mean it, like it's a prayer to God. All right, let's stand to our feet. Let me pray for us, and we'll sing this together. God, God, I pray for my friends. I prayed for them all week. I pray for them again right now, God. We, we don't want to just go through, you know, just a ritual at church. Holy Spirit, we believe you are real. We believe that you want to change lives. We believe that you want to be with us. And so, God, we, we surrender our hearts to you. And God, we pray, would you do something supernatural? Would you instill in us hope and courage? God, would we dream again? Would we push past fear, doubt, hurt? God, would you help us? Would would the seeds of hope begin to sprout again in our hearts? to see the world as you see it, to see our lives as you see it. God, I pray would you do that in a supernatural way. We commit this to you. In Jesus' name, amen.